If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's radio fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Robin Myers, senior minister in one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as hen, a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I will tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This is a strange and powerful text. Strange because in just five verses, it covers so many apparently unrelated topics. It seems oddly stitched together. The first thread is a warning to Jesus about what will happen to him if he trespasses on Herod's turf. And then Jesus gives this kind of poke-in-the-eye response (laughs) that he has work to do and nobody tells him where to do it. Go tell that fox for me. Then a moment of commentary about how Jerusalem kills its prophets, and then a lament about how it should not be this way, but the eternal city should be more like a place where Jesus can gather his children as a hen gathers her brood under her wing. And you've seen that if you've watched hens. They spread out their wings and they do a little shake and then they sit down. This is one of the most beautiful images in the Bible. And then finally, a prediction about when anyone will see Jesus again, and that will not be until everyone realizes that he is the Messiah and says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So let's face it, if you were editing this section of a student's freshman comp paper, you would say, which point do you want to make here? Where, where is the thesis? It seems like this goes in five different directions at once. Stay focused, C minus. <laughs> I, 
I'm having flashbacks here. <laughs> and I suspect that what really happened tells us a lot about how the later Gospels got put together, that is, the ones that came after Mark's original. In my mind, I see the writer of Luke's Gospel sitting at a writing desk with several sources scattered out in front of him. Mark's Gospel at the, as the primary source, but perhaps the Q Gospel with additional sayings of Jesus, maybe over here the Gospel of Thomas, and then of course whatever's floating around in his head from the oral tradition. That's probably exactly how the Gospels got stitched together and why they seem to jump around so much sometimes. In the case of whoever wrote the Gospel of Luke, since many scholars don't think that was his real name, but rather one the writer borrowed for apostolic power to give this Gospel more shelf life, because really, who wants to read the Gospel according to Abascantus, for example? I, okay, I googled obscure Greek names and I got that one. That's why we say, uh, this is the gospel according to Luke. And it really was stitched together, and then some new material gets added, and some of that's our favorite material in church. The angels and the shepherds, Mary's song of revolution, the Magnificat, and the parable of the prodigal son. They're all original to Luke's gospel. He was the best writer of them all. But what, what is it we are supposed to take from this scattered collection of warnings this morning and this commentary on the fate of prophets? Since we live now and not in the seventh or eighth decade of the first century, I mean, we can certainly see how Luke, we'll just call him Luke because that's better than Abascantus, is creating what movie makers call a prequel. A prequel. We all know what prequels are because we go to the movies. A prequel is a literary, dramatic, or cinematic work that prefigures a later work by portraying the same characters at a younger age. Turns out you can really understand a lot about the Bible by seeing it as a literary prequel. The people who finally wrote it down already know what happened. So they created a narrative that predicts it. Jesus did indeed get killed when he entered Jerusalem, and apparently nobody could talk him out of going there. Jerusalem does indeed have a history of stoning its prophets, especially when they come to town to make trouble. And it would indeed be lovely if the ancient city were more like a place where Jesus could gather his children under his wing as a hen gathers her brood under hers. And as for what this means for the kingdom to come, well, all Star Wars fans know that the correct line to say is not blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, but may the force be with you. A prequel. I find this line, go tell that fox for me, to be delightfully intriguing, and perhaps something that Jesus really said once in frustration that maybe had staying power in the oral tradition. As the disciples reminisce, do you remember that day we approached Jerusalem and Jesus called Herod a fox? And that's not a compliment, by the way, fox. In those days, the fox was a marauding killer a sneaky, unwelcome invader, 
a wily merchant of death. In fact, forgive me again, but I cannot resist the idea that this is, in fact, the signature text of our modern 24-hour cable news network by the same name. <laughs> so, today Jesus might say, go tell Fox News for me that I will not be silenced and that Tucker Carlson is the real fake news. But I digress. Here's the line that jumps off the page for me, and it comes early, but it has a very familiar ring to it. It is when the Pharisees come to Jesus and warn him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, the reason they say this, of course, is that Jesus is about to enter the proximity of Herod's reach, his territory of jurisdiction. We don't know if the Pharisees are actually concerned for Jesus, which, if they are, might scramble some of our stereotypes about Pharisees. But what is clear is that it is possible to be an enemy of Herod out in the countryside and get away with it. But when you come into the city, when you come onto Herod's turf, you're in danger of being disappeared. That's what they call it in Central and South America. You're disappeared because empires are and have always been in the body removal business. Kim Jong-un had his own brother-in-law killed and then our version of Herod embraced him and said the two of them fell in love. That's quite an odd couple. The Saudi crown prince ordered the grisly execution and dismemberment of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, and our response as reputed defenders of human rights around the world was to reward the crown prince by selling him nuclear technology secrets, all while tightening the noose around all enemies of Israel. Emperors care first and last for one thing, their reputation. They want to be great, no matter how many people have to die. Rome thrived in the time of Jesus, not just by its military conquests, but by the fear of death that it could exploit among its vassal states. That's one reason why empires like to put up monuments everywhere, great statues. They remind people of who has the power, how it is exercised, and to what effect. And make no mistake, those statues of Confederate generals in the South today are not about history. They are about power and intimidation. We will rise again and restore the empire of the South, lest we forget Charlottesville was motivated not only by the rising frustration of perceived white displacement, but by the removal of Confederate statues from the public square. Prophets who considered them reminders of a brutal and racist America took them down, and so the minions of a modern-day Herod had to take them down. Because, of course, there were good and decent people on both sides of that horrible day. Really? Nope. Like Jerusalem, we kill our prophets. But first, we warn them to know their place and stay in it. 
Go ahead and have yourselves a little protest out in the country if you like, says Herod. So I will look like a defender of democracy. It proves we live in a free society. People can blow off steam, but don't mess with the power structure itself. It's my power structure, and upon it you shall not trespass. Does that sound familiar? Ask Martin Luther King Jr. what it cost him to trespass on Herod's territory. Do not come to Birmingham, they told him. Birmingham can solve Birmingham's problems, which really meant by keeping people like you out of Birmingham. And who were the foxes, southern sheriffs and corrupt politicians who winked at the KKK because they knew that under those hoods were good and decent people who had voted for them? Ask the children of God who happen to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. As long as you stay out in the country of the closet, Herod said, don't ask, don't tell. That is, keep your real selves at a distance because the empire loves itself a good John Wayne movie. So just don't come out in Jerusalem. I mean, this is a family-friendly town and we intend to keep it that way. In other words, get away from here. Just ask women who finally felt their moment had come because there is safety in numbers to say that sexual harassment and abuse is not an occasional nuisance, it's a structural nightmare. Not he said, she said, but stop doing this to us. And you know what Herod said, get away from here, or how much will it take to silence you? How about 130,000? Just ask the millions of hardworking, hopeful, but non-celebrity parents who want to send their kids to college too, but who don't have millions of dollars to pay enrollment counselors who can pay off coaches to accept their kids as athletes when they are not athletes, or pay test takers to raise their SAT scores enough to get them into Harvard. Welcome to America as a reality TV show where everything is for sale and where even the most important opportunity we offer to non-rich, non-celebrity kids can be snatched away from them by the entitled foxes of this world. You know what this says to kids who work hard and play by the rules and dream of a higher education? Get away from here. Just ask the millions of people who cannot sleep at night because they can't pay their medical bills. But neither can they let their loved ones die, so they beg, borrow, and steal to keep the wolf away from the door, or should I say the fox whose network advice is to just work harder and put away more of the extra money you have in a medical savings account. But oh my God, let's not even think about health care as a right instead of a privilege. That would move single payer out of the country and into the city, and that's the jurisdiction of one-seventh of the American economy. So people like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who apparently terrifies Herod, are such a clear and present danger to those 
who have been made fabulously wealthy by the illness and disease of others that they must be marginalized. Sean Hannity, who works for Herod the Fox, says that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was once a waitress and is now apparently a grave threat to the empire, is in fact really just an actress, an actress being controlled by some shadowy male figure who is her pimp, pulling her strings to bring socialism to America. By the way, just to be clear, socialism has already come to America. It is socialism for the rich. And that's why we marginalize every political idea that threatens Herod's jurisdiction. So we use the word unelectable, which really means get away from here. In the shadow of yet another mass murder by a white supremacist with a machine gun who quotes Trump in his manifesto, let's be clear about why Herod, the NRA, wants nothing to do with those kids from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. They're telling the truth. Herod hates the truth. It's fake news because it will cut into our profits. The truth is, and those kids know it, more guns do not make us safer. And it is not the case that the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun because, well, apparently not. That is what is apparent. That is not true. No one should own a machine gun at home. And anyone who has one or two or three should be considered a threat to all of us who prefer a different image of safety, that of gathering children under the wings of a hen instead of teaching them how to shoot to kill. The NRA wants this horrible new normal to be somehow regrettably and with prayer acceptable. And it is not normal, nor should it ever be acceptable. You know exactly what the message is to all of us who want sane gun control. Get away from here. So this is what we say. You tell that fox and all the foxes of white privilege and entitlement that we are casting out demons here and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, we will finish our work. That is, when we all have no more breath to draw and then we will be on our way. But please don't tell us to stay out in the country. Please don't tell us not to organize. And whatever you do, don't tell us not to think. Don't tell us not to think for ourselves. Some of the people we know, by the way, out in the country, those farmers who are driving their tractors across rented soil and watching the clouds grow more and more menacing because we have seeded them on the steroid that is CO2. Those country folk are often actually smarter than those of us in the city, the Herods of this world, sitting at their big desks in their foxy silk suits trying to get even richer while family farms are auctioned off. Don't kill your prophets, America. They do not hate you. They love you enough to tell you the truth. Because one of these days, one of these days, we will know 
that obedience to the wisdom of God, truth and justice and mercy, not fear and intimidation and misinformation will prevail. It will win. As Laurie said, it will win. We will know this because in the calendar of the church's voice in just two weeks, we will tell the rest of the story. And here's how it sounds. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, and here it is, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Of course, Herod is getting ready to do his thing. He's going to do it. His thing is body removal for the good of the empire. It's a shame, he thinks to himself, but, you know, he's thinking, Jesus was told, get away from here, and all we can do is warn people. Actions have consequences. This is my jurisdiction. Yes, it is, for now, but someday it won't be. Someday you won't be able to tell the city from the country or Greek from Jew or male from female or slave from free or gay from straight or rich from poor or entitled worthy from the unentitled unworthy because it will all be God's jurisdiction. It will all be God's reign. That's our dream. And all of us will be gathered like a brood of the beloved under the wings of the hen called peace and justice. And on that happy day, the church will say, go tell that fox for me, your days are numbered. Someday, you fox, you will have no jurisdiction at all. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Dr. Robin Myers, Senior Minister of Mayflower Congregation on UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services every Sunday are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m and a full church school for all ages is available during the second service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, a block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.